Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hollywood Haymaker Podcast. I'm Dustin Dubuque. I'm John Hanson. Welcome back. Oh, I hate I hate listening to myself do that every time. Just the repeat of the same thing. I thought well, that I try to mix it up. That's you why I you, you mix it up. I like it. <laughs> but I, I'm like, ah, I have to keep cont- cont- continuity going. So I'm like, oh, I'll just repeat the same thing every time. And I, I realized that we were just talking about podcasts before we turned the mic on. And I was talking about telling Steve Dave, and I realized that the, well, the host of that show opens it the same way every time. And I'm like, ah, he's, been doing, he's done that like 400 times. I've, well, done it, I've done it 13 or 14 in every time. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's done it 400 times, he probably runs out of ideas. But we're, we haven't even hit We're fresh and new. <laughs> we're still young and fresh right here. This is the, what, 13th episode? 14? 14th. Yeah. We're moving. We're cruising on up. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll start off. Uh, we start with the movie news before we get to the best movies of 2018, which will be the episode today. Um, I know it's probably the thing that's dominating the headlines the last 24 hours, but it was kind of for the last week. Was all the stuff on Ghostbusters three? Mm-hmm. Because what was it? Late last week they dropped that trailer, that's teaser little, out of nowhere. Teaser, just a little shot of the Ecto one. That was it, right? I didn't watch it because whatever. Oh. But I heard it just came out of nowhere. It was just like boom. Here's the teaser for Ghostbusters. Yeah. Or um, what's his name? Reitman. Jason yeah, Reitman. Reitman. Um, the son of Ivan Reitman, who did the original. He's he's directing the new one, and all he did was he like uh, posted it on. Instagram or Twitter or something like that. It was like a little video, maybe 15 seconds long, showing the, the Ecto-1 kind of parked in a barn, rusting away or whatever. Okay, yeah, that's the picture I saw. I wasn't sure yeah. if there was anything more than that. Nope, that's basically it. Okay. Yeah. That was the big deal. Basically then, just letting us know it's coming. Ghostbusters yeah, 3. And then uh, Ernie Hudson came out and said that they're back. Him, Ackroyd, and Bill Murray are ready to go. Well, well, well pretty, they confirmed that. they're ready to go. Ready to go. They're ready to go. Ernie Hudson's always ready to go. <laughs> what are you talking about? People are knocking down Ernie Hudson's door <laughs> for anything else but this one franchise that he's in. Um, but you would assume that, I mean, I haven't seen Ernie Hudson's comment be rebuted by any of Like, you know, I'm not, I haven't seen Reitman come out and say, well, I don't know. Like, so that to me was like his way of just being like, okay, just expect it. Because what is this comment? Like, we're by me, Bert Murray, and Eckert are by the phone or something. I don't think Bill Murray's waiting by the phone. I don't think he needs to. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think I, that was my first thought about it. I'm like, I don't think Bill Murray's waiting for the Ghostbusters phone call. Would he, ex- would he be excited about it? Maybe. He'd does do he do it? He'd but do does it. he care <laughs> if that phone call? never happened he's 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 got the money and he's he's busy partying with college kids and stuff yeah right so then was it yesterday when leslie jones put the tw- the tweet out who was in uh the third ghostbusters the female led one right yeah she was pretty upset that they're calling it ghostbusters 3 and not calling it ghostbusters 4 because sure. you know hey they made a ghostbuster movie too right which they did sure no one liked it yeah, no one did, and the reason why, um, yeah, so the, I will admit, though, and we were going to talk off, off my starting, but we stopped ourselves, I will admit, though, I understand Leslie is who she is, and she's kind of a polarizing figure for some reason, I think, because of Ghostbusters, but she took a ton of heat for that first movie. 
Like, well, people were destroying her. They were making fun of her, and there was kind of a. She got into uh, some some stuff on uh, on Twitter. She yeah. ended up taking her Twitter down because it just got kind of. Well, her whole computer got hacked too. Oh really? Yeah, I, they put out everything that was on her computer, and you know when celebrities' computers get hacked, there's usually not fun things on those things. So uh, yeah, like the Ghostbuster people, I remember when that came out, hacked her computer, put all of her certain photos online, and did other things to her, all because of that movie being bad and her being a little outspoken about it. So yeah. it wasn't fun. No, I felt bad for her the first, you know, the first go around. I didn't think she deserved to be bullied or anything like that. Um, but I feel like she's doing some bullying now. Yeah, I thought so. I, re- I was reading, I didn't read it, I just heard about it yesterday, but I did the reading on her tweets this morning. I mean, I, I mean, it's, if you, if you want to be upset that they're doing Ghostbusters 3 and skipping yours, okay, that's fine. But she turned it into something completely different, though, when she, you know, pretty much blamed the Trump era for that reason. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird that she brings Trump into it. It's like, what does Trump have to do with the Ghostbuster movie? It's like, right. settle down. Yeah, she she definitely was pushing the uh, the agenda a little too hard on that one. Was the fact that the because you know it's 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 they're ignoring the female cast that was Ghostbusters three, even though it's not what it was called. That's the other thing is why are we putting so much emphasis on what movies are called? Guess what? It's Hollywood. That one was more of a spinoff, I think. Right. Did, I mean, uh, were any of the originals, did they make a cameo in that one? I didn't even actually see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. Bill Murray, Aykroyd. I think all three were in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, Aykroyd played like a cab driver, I think. Uh, Ernie Hudson showed up. Yeah, they all showed up quick. Well, I mean, the cameos were Aykroyd they, showed up on set for an hour and a half, you know. You say he played a cab driver. I Was he supposed so. to be the same character from No, the- no, they all played... Whatever. Okay, that's it, what I'm saying. So, like, Egon and Ray and, and you know, they weren't in it. But not as themselves, no. The actors made cameos. As whatever. Different characters. Sure. Just to, you know, they were the cute moments. Right, just to give some acknowledgement to sure. the films. So, no, I'll stand by my comment then. It's a, it's a spin-off. Right. That was my biggest thing with what I read today was that I don't see, I, I think you're taking the, it being called Ghostbusters 3 completely incorrect. Yeah, if they're gonna, if they actually do cast Bill Murray and um, Dan Aykroyd and uh, Ernie Hudson as the original characters and bring them back, and they're the stars of this film, the correct title is Ghostbusters Three. Right. Um, Harold Ramis, of course, is has passed away. Right. Um, so they will have to recast him. But if they get the, the other three guys to lead this movie, yeah, it's Ghostbusters Three. You're going to be advertising the fact that. It's the original cast in the original roles. And it's just semantics of Hollywood. Like, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. They, they, to them, it doesn't... It's whatever the name of the movie is going to sell. I mean, it wasn't theirs, the one, uh, the female-led one. Wasn't it just called... Wasn't it just called Ghostbusters? Yeah. I think so. Okay. So? Nobody flipped out <laughs> that it was called that. Right. Nobody on the opposite went. Bill Murray, what the hell? What <laughs> yeah. about the work I did? Why is this not Ghostbusters three <laughs> or pre Ghost? Like all this stuff. So I watched that original or the original. Geez, the the twenty sixteen version with the ladies in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched it. I had no interest, but I watched it because of the hoopla. And I it, had no interest, and 
the word on the street made me have even less. Interest. Yeah, it, it did. It did. So I, I you know, I, I, I was like, okay, but I feel like I should watch it. And it was a down. It was like, you know, that summertime at Redbox where there's nothing else out. So you're like, well, we'll just go with it for a buck and a half tonight. Mm-hmm. So I watched it and I, it, it was one of them. I did not come out like hating it. It was not a hate. It was irrelevant. It, it fell on that. This didn't need to get made. Mm-hmm. It, there was nothing here to make it need to get made. And why are we here? And, you know, they, they cast four funny people in it. Five. Uh, Hemsworth is hilarious in it. I heard Hemsworth was good. Oh, just a bumbling buffoon. Pretty funny. He plays basically the Janine yeah, character. Yeah, great. It was great stuff. You know, they're funny. I mean, there's a there's the funny part. I thought there's one part that I remember that I'm like, funny. And it's when the girls get the, uh, and again, I'm not a Ghostbusters fanatic here, but the what are the guns called? The... Oh, now you're going to put me... I don't, I'm not putting you on the spot, because I won't remember. And I'll simply say, but they get those for the first time. So they go into the alleyway, and they start sure. shooting them. And of course, it's going completely wrong, because they don't know what they're doing. I thought that was funny. I'm like, of course, they don't know what it is, you know? But uh, I had no I had no ill feelings towards it, but Ghostbusters is just, just one of the movies that people uh, have such a connection to that, uh, you know, people get so... You know, I kind of compared it to Indiana Jones 5, where people just ripped it and killed it, and tore, or 4, I mean, um, and just tore it apart. And then, you know, I mean, I've watched it twice. I remember I went to the theater and thought, this is just not good. And then I watched it again, maybe about two years ago, and I was like, it's, it's not that this movie isn't good. It's, I mean, it's obviously the worst. It just doesn't need to be here. So... But yeah, sorry, just go back to Leslie Jones' comments about the whole thing was <coughs> it's like they're she makes it sound like they're just completely ignoring the fact that... Well, that that's exactly what she said. Um, actually, I think I've got the tweet right here. She says um, she says, so insulting. Like, F us. We didn't count. It's like something Trump would do. Uh, Gonna redo Ghostbusters. Oh, with Better with men will be huge. Those women ain't Ghostbusters. So annoying. Such a dick move. And I don't give F. I'm saying something. That's the tweet from Leslie Jones. So, and there's so much, okay, there's so much wrong about that tweet. Right. You know, usually I'm like on the defense of mm-hmm. these people. No, I'm sorry. But that's not what they're doing here. No. Again, we go back to why we started this. Who has more star power, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, or no offense to Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon? Mm-hmm. They're the originals of a classic movie, and they're going to bring them all back if that happens. Okay, but if they don't, what do you think? Like, say, say they make Ghostbusters three, and it's with four people. It's completely new. Do you, what do you, what do you, is the tweet change at all? Um. No, because I think I think that the title is basically letting us know that they're going to do a movie that's in the spirit of the originals, that's going to follow the continuity of the originals. And um, I don't know. I just felt like the one the one with Leslie Jones was more of a spinoff. It felt like it had a different tone to it too, much more of a comedy. The originals, oh, yeah. the originals had humor, but I they were they were not quite the humor that this new one had. Yeah, no, and I totally you know, and it's the same thing of. You know, and I know you get the gender into it, which is what Leslie's probably trying to push a little bit. But, um, you know, what if they cast all women in this new one? 
<laughs> she's gonna look like an idiot. Huh? Just four new women. Well, I four think that was, yeah. what, <laughs> that was that was the thing I thought that. Uh, um, or maybe it's three guys, one woman. Maybe the Egon role. Maybe the Harold Ramis character is filled by a, a female. Okay, so here's what that that was my next point was right there. So Paul Feig came out and defended Leslie Jones because he was the director of theirs, and he was mad too. Um, he was more or less, I don't think, defending her, but he was defending like people like because you know how Twitter gets. I mean, you were constructively going against what she says. Mm -hmm. You know how people are. They're not obviously saying it as nice as we are. You know, right. they're they're probably saying a lot meaner things and probably, you know, death threatening her and saying probably some other derogatory comments unlike us. Right. Um where he's coming to his her defense, I thought and I don't have the tweet in front of me, but it was a lot more about back off her. Like don't destroy her because mm -hmm. she said her opinion, which but again that's where it all it's such a bad cesspool of like, but you're a celebrity followed on Twitter. You're on SNL, and you're a ghost. You're famous. You should expect people to say these things. You know how Twitter works. And I feel like she's kind of doing the same thing when she's saying like, you know, f f him. Yeah. Um. She's saying she's she's doing a Trump imitation. I don't know. Oh, right. I don't know how Trump even got dragged into it again. But um, it's like she's she. This tweet is is in that same vein. So if if people are bullying her. It's, she's bullying with this tweet. Yeah, no, and <laughs> and I agree, but and I, I think Paul Feig even kind of mentioned like, kind of like the oh, it's the men over the women thing. But I'm like, nothing is said that there isn't going to be. You would think. I mean, no offense, if, if Reitman was even smart politically, he doesn't have to do any of this. He can literally come in and say, here's. He doesn't even have to fill the fourth role. He can say, here's the three Ghostbusters. And we're just going to give you the, the trip that you want with the original three. Mm -hmm. You But again, you would think Reitman's smart enough to know that there this happened. I wasn't involved, but this movie is there. We should probably somewhat include the point of the movie. You would think, why wouldn't... That was my first thought. I'm like, why wouldn't they fill the fourth role with a female? Like, that makes sense, because not only does it... And not only is it probably something, A, a little fresh, because mm -hmm. to me... Ghostbusters three with this with these three old dudes that don't need to do this movie. It doesn't sound interesting to me. So how are you going to make it different? You know, to fill the fourth role with a female. That's a way of switching it up a little bit, and it maybe alludes to the fact that this other Ghostbuster movie existed. Mm -hmm. I mean, why not throw Melissa McCarthy like in the role? I mean, she's I I'm a huge Melissa McCarthy fan, but then you'd have the other three mad that they weren't involved. It's like <laughs> who cares? Yeah. This is it's Hollywood. You know what? I, I don't see Jason, Jason Redman tweets tomorrow. Well, I was going to cast last Leslie Jones. Jones. <laughs> uh, whoops! Whoops! Yeah. Whoops! Kate, Mc, Kate McKinnon signs on a deal. <laughs> right. just her, her SNL co-star to just completely take her spot. Um, you know, and then the other thing, well, you know, it's just like, uh, and again, uh, like like the Bourne franchise. That what was that the fourth one uh, that came out was was it called Jason Bourne? The uh, well, the fifth one was Jason Bourne when they brought back Matt Damon, but the fourth one was um, the one with um, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, what was it called? It was. I think it was just the Bourne something or another. Okay, so that movie didn't do well. Yeah, it was. I went and saw it. it was not good. It was. It's by far the weakest in the franchise. So then they come on. Leslie Jones plays Jason. Jason. Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then they, you know, it's like okay, so then they come out with a new one, and instead of doing Renner again, they, they bring, bring back, back Matt Damon. Yeah. Did Renner flip out? No, Renner went okay. 
I got paid to do a movie. The movie didn't go well. I'm not the future of the franchise. Whoops. You know, I mean, same with uh, uh, the guy who played Spider-Man, uh, Garfield. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, he took a lot of heat for those movies of being a poor Spider-Man, and now he's not. I liked him as Spider-Man. I, I didn't mind him either, but people just, people, I know a lot of people that did not like him. I was like, he's fine. I thought he's good. I know, it's good too. I know, I granted I like a guy now, but. Um, yeah, he's good too. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's just funny, so I'm sure there'll be more on this saga. Who would think Ghostbusters creates so much, so much hostility for one movie that was a classic to a bunch of people in one decade? I think it's, it's I think the issue is Leslie Jones. I think she's hostile. I think she's got some issues. Sure. And, I, you know, and I'm sure after her whole run-in with the first one, you know, I mean, of the four ladies that were in it, she took the most heat by far. Mm-hmm. Um but I, you know, it's probably also who she is, you know, different person than the other three are, and she kind of put herself out there. Yeah. So I could see her just seeing it as like, a, oh, here we go again, which, if you didn't say anything, probably would have never happened. Yeah. She, she definitely put herself out there with this new tweet. Though. Yes. It's crazy stuff. Oh, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. But so, say they get the three. Are you interested? I mean, I know you're a Bill Murray fan. I like Bill time, Murray. Um, but I, I mean, I, I won't be first in line at the theater to see it, but I'll definitely have to check it out on, on video or something. I see anything that has Bill Murray in it. Sure. So. Yeah, you know, I'm, again, I'm young, so I didn't grow up in the 80s. The, the, the Ghostbusters falls in one of the 80s movies to me that, uh, you know, there's just movies that define a decade just based off, like, who was alive and at the right time period. And I think that movie just is that. Like, I, I don't really know anybody that is my age or, you know, 60 that loves Ghostbusters and thinks it's the greatest. But, man, that clan of people in the mid-80s will kill for that movie. I I remember the cartoon. Actually, I kind of grew up more with the cartoon than the movies. Um, I mean, I definitely remember the movies and saw them. Um, but I used to watch the cartoon every, every week. Cartoon is good. Yeah. I used to, too. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll probably watch it, too, when it comes out on video. But mm-hmm. everybody calm down. It's a teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. It's like eight seconds long. Chill. <laughs> we don't know anything about it. Um, speaking of people not chilling, so this morning I woke up. I just had me on Facebook at the right time. Excuse me. The Academy Awards were announced this morning, the nominations and stuff. And... Uh, so I had to be on Facebook today and I'm following my movie sites and stuff. And all everybody complains about, because people do, is everybody who doesn't get nominated for Academy Awards. And uh, A, it's not really that big of a deal. And B, um, I always want to, I, I, there's one comment I posted, kind of, I shouldn't, but I went, you know there's how many movies come out every year, right? And there's only so many spots to fill all these movies. I don't know who, and uh, yeah, some people didn't like my that response, and I was like, that's just the truth, though. Because the biggest one this morning was, uh, you didn't see Won't You Be My Neighbor, did you? The, did uh, you? I did, actually. Okay. Um, I It's actually on my... It's it's actually on my oh, list. Oh, look at that. We're going to talk later about the top ten movies of the year. Sure. My list has 11, and that one's number 11. Is that your 11? That's my 11th one. Um, that got snubbed. I didn't get... That was not... I will admit... I, you know what? <coughs> that's fine. It, it's a documentary... And there, there wasn't anything about it that made it um, like particularly strong filmmaking. It's just 
I liked it because it was about a guy that I grew up with. I think we pretty much all did. Right. And I mean, I love a documentary. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, you know, I, it was one of the 11 movies this year that I, that I enjoyed more than most of the other movies. Um, but there wasn't anything about it that it's like, was groundbreaking or anything. Right. And that's what I wanted to tell everybody. Like, that's the number one, like every year there's always something. And, I, and from the comments I read on the Academy Awards and IndieWire and all these other things, if everybody's complaining about it, it didn't get nominated for best doc. And I'm like, I get it. And I was looking at the other five mm. and I had seen two of them. Which um, were uh, one was minding the gap, which I've told. I think I've mentioned to you to watch. You should still show. It's on Hulu right now. The what's, Hulu original. And it's uh, what's it about? It's about a uh, a young director. Um, I think his name is Ming Lee. That sounds right. And uh, he grew up in a household where he watched his mom get beaten by his dad. Um, and what he does is he he takes his camera and he goes to his two friends. He has these two really close friends of his, and he pretty much seamlessly has filmed them for about 10 years now. And he just randomly shows up with a camera at different points in their lives and films them. And uh, one of the friends is, uh, you know, they, they are late 20s now. He probably started in, like, high school. And, you know, they, they both skateboard. It's another movie based around skateboarding when they're younger, but then they get older. One of the friends you see, he's the nice guy. They're like, oh, this guy's really cool. And then there's this other friend who, who really lives in the projects, who comes from a really bad family who you can just see and as the movie progresses you see their the friends that you think are going to be the guy in the project you think is going to be the one that maybe has a tough tough time growing up he actually becomes a like he gets his stuff together he gets a job and every time they show him where his friend that was cool is the one who gets in trouble of beating his girlfriend but he's still awesome on camera until you learn the stuff that he does and then by the end of it um Ming Lee's talking to his mom a lot. He interviews his mom a lot, and his mom's like, well, why... Like, nobody knows why he's doing this documentary. He's just been doing it. They just think he likes to film. And he tells his mom that the whole reason why I'm doing this is because I'm showing how, you know, physical abuse affects families. His mom cries. Then he tells his buddies that that's why he's filming them. And the one buddy who has pretty much off-camera been proven to beat his girlfriend um, is, like, completely flabbergasted on camera that he's this way. He's like, wow, I had no idea. That's why you would, I thought you were following me for this reason, not to prove this. And it's, it's super small, but it's really good. And then the other one was, uh, free solo, which again, these are two movies that are like different filmmaking. The thing about free solo is just, it's just a guy who wants to climb this, this mountain with no equipment. That's the whole point of the movie is, and it's shot beautifully. And, to watch a guy scale a mountain that's completely flat, straight up, with no lines, it's pretty awesome. But they're, they're shot differently. They're edited differently. That's the thing I had with Won't You Be My Neighbor. I'm like, it's a good doc. And, you know, who doesn't like Mr. Rogers? We'll talk later about it. But it is straightforward yeah. documentary filmmaking. Yeah. And that's all. Like, RBG was the other one. That's the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary that came out. Again, another movie that's super straightforward, and again, it's about a politician, so it's, you know, it's the agenda you want driven, but it's edited very nicely, and the way it's shot, and the way it's told, I'm like, it's it, it's pretty normal and safe, mm-hmm. but at least it looks different, where What You Be My Neighbor does not look different. <laughs> it looks like exactly the movie that you would expect it to be. Yeah. So, sorry, not to go to rant, but, um, so that's the big one. 
So all I want to do was say, and again, just because the Best Picture nominees, and this is the reason why I wanted to bring it up, because there's actually an interesting thing here. So in 2007, that's Dark Knight, right? 2007, I think. Um, One of those years. 2007? Sure, that sounds right. It might have been 2006, but the Academy Awards were 2007, because you know they always go there. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Seems like a long time ago. Yeah, I know, isn't it? So that year was the year that uh, the Academy Awards Best Picture went from 5 to 10, and that was because Dark Knight didn't get nominated. And everybody, between audiences and critics, firmly believed that year that Dark Knight was the best movie. And they're like, really? You couldn't even give it a Best Picture nomination? Because everybody knows the Academy Awards doesn't really love the superhero genre. I've always felt like there shouldn't be a set number of nominees, a minimum or a maximum. I think they should pick the films that they feel deserve to be nominated. And if there's a particularly good year where there's more films, there'd be more nominees. If there's a particularly bad year, maybe there's only a handful of nominees. But I don't... To say, well, we're going to nominate ten. I mean, what if there's only nine good movies? Now that the tenth movie... Now some piece of crap movie is getting nominated for Best Picture because we needed a tenth one just for some arbitrary number. Right. Um... Yeah, I'm going to try to look up, because I want to look up the year. It might have been, so it's the 2008 Academy Awards, because it came out in 2007. And, uh, no, I agree. So, before that, it was five. And everybody was mad, because I think it came out that Dark Knight got sixth in voting. And, you know, it made the most money, by far. And it, uh, you know, everybody actually seen it. Where is this? Um, And people were mad. They're like, how does this not get a nomination, blah, blah, blah. So the next year they came out like, well, we're going to nominate up to 10. At least they say up to 10 because they don't, I think this year, the first thing I had, this is the comment I had from somebody, they're like, well, there's 10 spaces. Why did they only nominate eight movies? Because why do we have to have 10? No offense, there's not 10 great movies in a year. Rarely. I mean, 10 movies that you believe that you would get. So they are, so, okay, I thought they were going to do 10. No, they upped it to 10 so up, you could up actually. Up 10. Yeah, up okay, to that, 10. That sounds more. That sounds more appropriate. You know? Yeah. Um, apparently, I can't. Oh, here we go. I got it right here. So, best picture that year. So here was the five, and I think I'm in the right year. It was the year that was No Country for Old Men won, and then uh, Juno, Michael Clayton, There Will Be Blood, and Atonement were 2008. Michael Clayton was so boring. I liked Michael Clayton. I don't remember anything about it, but I remember liking it. I just remember being bored. And uh, Atonement. I have no idea what that is. I always love that when you look at these lists from like the Academy Awards and you go back and you like see like the five movies and there's always one movie you're like nobody's going to remember that movie. So since then, so the whole point of this was all right, you can do up to ten movies. The whole reason why is because that means a popular movie can be put in, mm-hmm. or and it's really quote unquote the superhero movie because that was the whole point of that. Guess how many have been nominated since? Zero for superhero movies. Right. Until today, when Black Panther got nominated for Best Picture. So, that was a pretty big deal. I think he got seven Oscar nominations. It's pretty big for a superhero movie. So, What about Infinity War? No. I think he got a couple sound editing and stuff, but nothing big. Yeah. Infinity War didn't have the social uh, element to it of the, you know, like that Black Panther had. It didn't have the the storyline that Black Panther had with the Black America portion. 
which is definitely why the Academy probably went for Black Panther over Infinity War. Um, but the other movies, just to throw them out there, so it's Black Panther. These are the eight movies that are considered the best right now. Uh, it's Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, Stars, Born, and Vice. Those are the eight movies. In and last week I said don't go see Vice, because you shouldn't. But when the Academy is made up of 5,000 people and 4,000 of them are like 70 and older, they're really going to love a movie about Dick Cheney. So, boring. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's it. That's really all the news. Because we'll talk more Academy Awards when it actually comes up. So, we're here. Best movies of 2018. Yeah. I thought we were going to have some overlap. It sounds like we might. Not much, but a little. Do you want to start? We'll just go down, go back sure. and forth. Ten to, ten to, well, you want to go your 11. Since yeah, I already gave him my number 11. So, um, I, so I was trying to put this list together, the top 10 movies of the year. Um, to be honest with you, only four of these movies are movies that I consider like exceptional movies. Sure. That would normally be on a, on a list like this. Um, the others are on here just to round out the list. Sure. I came up with Another seven that I that I enjoyed that I thought were really good good movies that I would recommend pretty strongly. Um, <clears throat> so the eleventh was was Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary about uh, Mr. Rogers. Um, I just I really enjoyed it. I thought that there was a lot of information there that I didn't know about um, about him, and um, it, you know he's he's somebody that I I grew up with. You know, I think a lot of us probably did. He he was on. Um, you know, Channel Two and in this, you know, Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. And <laughs> you, I didn't realize how long he was on air. I knew it was oh, a long. It, I knew it was it, a long time. Yeah, it was my entire life yeah. until he died. And yeah. Then, well, you forget <laughs> that. I thought the part of the doc that was nice was the part where he leaves, he comes back, mm -hmm. like because he tries that other venture, and people are like, "When you get so typecasted, <laughs> like, it, it's kind of a proof of what typecasting can do." Because he yeah. tried to do that other show, and people were like. Nah, we like you when you're in your house with a sweater talking to a trolley. We don't <laughs> want you doing anything else. But yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it was in my top. It was in my back half. It was in my top twenty. Well, casting him as a serial killer did seem a little inappropriate. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. But it, but the fact that he came no. back and still <laughs> did it like late. What, what did he do? I don't even remember that part. What did he go and do? Oh, remember he went to. He just did like a talk show. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they touched on it really quick. And they were like, yeah, yeah. the ratings weren't good because nobody really cared because he tried to do his show just for adults instead of, you know, gearing it always towards kids. Mm -hmm. It was, well, let's talk about the issues as adults. And people are like, we have people to do that. We don't need Mr. Rogers to do it. The part that I thought was really touching was um, I didn't realize he did a thing um, after 9-11. He basically tried to speak to the kids about what happened and tried to put that into terms that they could understand and appreciate and um, you know, he came back, he came back to do that. I thought that was, I didn't know about that. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I guess as a kid, I don't remember any of the really deep ones. Like, you know, they show kind of his deep moments yeah. of, you know, he talks about death and yeah. And, and I don't remember those as a kid, you know, as, but as that's not saying anything, I mean, you know, the episode I remember the most was uh, how to make a toilet <laughs> and going to the bathroom. I remember that one. He does, because you know he has the TV, too, yeah. and he'd be like, let's check it out, and he'd show you, like, a three-minute clip of, like, a factory or something, 
And I remember that was the whole episode was how to properly go to the bathroom and how to wash your hands and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the episode I firmly remember watching when I was a kid. But, uh, yeah, but it was kind of interesting to see all that stuff of, like, the real deep stuff that he did. Yeah, and they talked, too, about, like, how he um, helped kind of um, break down some of the, what would you call, like, the the racial, um, you know, the... He, 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 there, they talked about there was an episode where where he washes his feet along with a black oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. This is the mailman, right? Yeah, the mailman was a black man, and he, they washed their feet together. Yeah. And that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. You know, the, it's funny. I, I, I finally heard somebody else say it. But when I watched Mr. Rogers as a kid, I'll openly admit, I hated the part when they went to the trolley and they went to the... And whatever it was, the Neverland or whatever it was called. I remember dreading that part of the show as a kid. And finally, I, heard, I was listening to another podcast the other day, and they go, "Gosh, I hated that tree. <laughs> I hated them." And I'm like, "Somebody else finally said it." Like I didn't. I thought it throughout the whole time. I'm like, "This is cute going back, but like, and it's cute to see how it went." But I'm like, "Oh, as a kid, I drew straight up did not like that part." And I was like, "Oh, get me away from this cat and these this this." king i don't care but it's just funny that that's all i thought about during that i'm like oh yeah i didn't like this but it was still cute to learn all about it but yeah it's a good documentary for sure yeah i mean he did a lot of he he, he put a lot of positive messages out there and i think he really um you know pro- probably shaped a lot of a lot of people's um you know experiences growing up and you know he was he was a what would you call him like a almost like a father figure to a to, yeah to the nation right well and to do it as just a person like yeah yeah the trolley and the and the mm-hmm. stuff but majority of the show was just him walking around the apartment and talking to you and you know there was no there's no cartoons really there's no Big Bird the whole time you know I, I was thinking that too I'm like well, it was just a guy just caring about you and right. it's like that's yeah and it's he never tweeted f that. <laughs> Did not. Yeah, that was the one thing about the movie is that he lived that. Like, this is him. And they kind of got, when he was later in life and he started to see kind of the world evolving into kind of some of the bad parts about the world now, it made him sad. Like, he's like, I don't like this. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, once you get older and, you know, after you're on TV for 40 years, at some point it's going to come to an end. And so, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was good. It was a nice documentary. It was. Oh, well, we'll go to your number 10 since you cheated. All right. <laughs> uh, for number 10, I put uh, I, Tanya. That was last year, but that's okay. It was 2017. We'll go with it. It's fine. Are you serious? Yeah. It came out like the last week of December last year because it was up for Academy Awards last year. Well, I've got 10 on this list. Yeah, look at that. You, <laughs> you even did that. So I, <laughs> I thought it was this year. No. It wasn't. It was literally the tail end of last year. That's why. It was one of the movies that came out like the last weekend. All right. I thought it was good, though. Yeah, I thought it was. I, I liked how they put it together. I thought it was pretty creative. Yeah, I did too. And Margot was great. Yeah, she was good. Um, a lot of people pointed out that Amy Adams should have played Tanya Harding because they look like oh, identical God. twins. But Whatever. But, you know, Margot Robbie, she, she, was, she was entertaining. Yeah. It was, it's an entertaining movie. It's kind of a dark comedy. Yeah, I like the way they made the the partners in crime out to be just buffoons. Yeah. Creatively edited, I like that she could talk to the camera. She'd be in the scene while talking to the audience. And, yeah. Um, 
just a really creative, fun, uh, dark comedy. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. It really was about something, another thing, like going back to my first man conversation, so many people know, but they did a good job of still making it interesting. That's my one thing about stuff like that, but yeah. Well, good. Look at that. Won't you be my neighbor? Is your perfect number 10 then? Yep. You know, the only reason is that uh, the lady who played her mother in the movie. Yeah, um, Allison Janney. Allison Janney, thank you. She won a, like every award for that last year. She was good. She was good. Yeah, she was great. I like Allison Janney. Um, all right, so my number 10, I have a couple on here that are completely out of left field, and this is one of them. It's, uh, it's a movie called Zama, and it's a Spanish... Uh, movie and it's about this guy uh his name is don diego de Zama, and what he is is he's it's set like the colonial spanish uh taking over south america and he lives in south america right now and all it is is pretty much a movie about how he wants to get back to spain to his wife and kids because he's on assignment because he's a colonel and it's him pretty much stuck in south america and he's doing anything he can to get back and it kind of starts off, the movie starts off with him like on a great shot of on the beach and he's in his full, his full outfit. He looks like he's like the man and he like runs this part of the country. You'll learn that he's kind of a bumbling idiot and he has a sidekick who is like his assistant who outwits him about everything the whole time about how he can do whatever he can do. There's some uh, white women around, some Spaniards that he tries to, you know, get with. But he already has a illegitimate son from one of the natives, so none of the women will sleep with him. And he pretty much falls into the spiral of sadness because he kind of realizes that he's kind of screwed. And that every time he goes up to his officers and he requests to go back to Spain, they give him a new task. Like, well, if you finish this task, you can go to back. We'll, we'll send you back. And the task always gets more mundane and ludicrous. And the tasks never really have an end. They just send him on an errand just so it gets him out of his face because they have no intention of spending money or sending a boat for this guy. And they know he's just, they just don't care. Is it a comedy? It is very dry humor. It, it, it is. It plays pretty serious, especially when it gets towards the end. The ending kind of, the last 30 minutes completely go because he realizes pretty much that he's not leaving. So if he's not going to leave, then he's not going to sit here and work for these, you know, the Spaniards and he's not going to be a colonel anymore. So he's going to go to do something else. And pretty much what he does is he, he kind of gets with a group of people that are um, going to find an outlaw in the area. And he's going to go with them and he's going to help them out do that. And then that kind of goes into a completely other side thing. But yeah, it's super dry humor. But it is funny. They're, they're, I mean, it's not played like, you know, over the top humor. But the, the things they say and, the, and his facial expressions of, like, he kind of hits the right face at the right time of whenever something bad happens. He kind of always says that, like, mouth open, tongue out, like he's two steps behind everything that's going on around him, so you kind of realize that he is a complete idiot, and that he comes across like he's this noble man, and he's kind of stupid. Is it a foreign film? Yeah. yeah, it's, Spanish, yeah. yeah it's good, though. Okay. It, I like it a lot, so it's 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 different. It's very small. A lot of people might go see it, but that's alright. Sure. Alright, you're number nine. Uh, number nine is going to be, well, I'll tell you this, half of mine are Superhero movies. Um, this is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That's my number nine. I thought it was um, probably one of my favorite animated films that I've ever seen. Um, probably put it up there with like uh, Lego Batman and The Incredibles. Just thought it was a fun, 
entertaining movie that kind of kind of pokes fun at Spider Man. It's a good it's a good comedy. It's fun. Yeah, fun comedy. Yeah, and John talked about it, I think in the last episode. So if you want yeah. some more detail, listen to uh listen to our Spider Man episode. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet. I'll see when it comes out on DVD. Well, my number nine is also an animated movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Did you watch Isle of Dogs? No. That was Bill Murray. Uh, as Bill Murray or as a dog? Well, he's a dog, but voiced <laughs> by Bill Murray. Um, Didn't he also voice Garfield? Yeah. <laughs> Easy paycheck. Easy paycheck. So show, you don't have to do it. You show up in a studio and you read some lines. You just gotta, he is perfect for Garfield. Yeah. Well, he's perfect for this, too. Actually, it's so it's Wes Anderson's new movie. Oh, God. And are you a, a hard pass? Hard pass on Wes Anderson. I think this is. Uh, here's oh. the thing. Wes, <laughs> Wes Anderson makes great movies when he makes them with Owen Wilson. Oh jeez. I think Owen Wilson is the talent. You think that's it? I think so. Yes. Okay. When he stopped making movies with Owen Wilson, his movies were missing an element, and the element was called entertainment value. <laughs> so, here's the funny part about Wes Anderson to me. I, I, I don't love Wes Anderson either way. Um, I love dogs. So, you know, last few movies like Grand Budapest Hotel and, uh, oh, geez, uh, Moonrise Kingdom are Wes Anderson being very Wes Anderson. That was the time where, I know we go on this uh, tangents against each other sometimes, where the critics jump on Wes Anderson. They think what he does is like the greatest thing. And even I go, this is the most pretentious stuff ever that he's pandering to you people. That's what it feels like. So when he came out with this movie, it's literally his way of doing both at once. And it's great animation, animation, stop motion, like fantastic Mr. Fox was. And the animation's gorgeous. And it's a pretty simple story. He has some of that Wes Anderson dialogue in there. But it's a little more, I think, for the population. And that's the reason why like, half the critics were like, oh, this Wes Anderson, this is worst movie. I'm like... Oh, is it because he's not doing the pretentious, snobby, hipster, Wes Anderson feel to you? Like, that's what I thought when it first came out. And I, because I didn't watch it, it was on DVD. And people were kind of trashing it. I'm like, I think it looks kind of interesting because of the way the dogs, I mean, the animation alone looks, that's the reason why I watched it. Was I'm like, it looks good. And, uh, but that's how I got out of it. But I mean, the voice cast is Bill Murray, Edward Norton, Brian Cranston, Greta Gerwig, Scarlett Johansson, Jeff Goldblum, Liam Schreiber are all voice casters in it. So, like, you know, that's half the fun is just listening to, like, all A-list celebrities, like, voicing these dogs and the couple humans that are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's it looks good. The dogs look good. Um, I think it is funny. The the dialogue in it is funny. Like, there's just a really funny part where the, there's, like, this alpha group of dogs. There's, like, five of them. That's, like, Bill Murray and stuff. And they, Edward Norton's lifts open a lunchbox because they're all the dogs are put on this island in Asia because there's a dog flu that's going to kill humans. So everybody has to get rid of their dogs. So they put them on this trash island, kind of like Wally, it looks like, because it's just a big pile of trash. And uh, they open up a, they're hungry and they open up a lunchbox and they, and they, they, Edward Norton points out every single little thing in the lunchbox and it's all just terrible, like rotten apple. But, and, and they look at each other and he goes, looks delicious and they all fight over it because they can't wait and i'm like that's funny like because it's nothing and and it's it's kind of funny and uh um but that's really it i mean i think the stories thing of course got into a whole bunch of whitewashing stuff with it because the one white kid in the movie is the one who saves the movie blah 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 the animation's good the voice acting's good it's fun i absolutely loved um uh, uh rushmore 
and uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, I like Royal Tenenbaums. That's what I'm fine with, but I like Royal Tenenbaums a lot. I, I love them both, but um, that's the last time I saw a good Wes Anderson movie. So. Again, he's he and the Coen brothers are so pretentious to me sometimes. And it's like... The Coens go... The Coens back go and back and forth. Yeah, some of their stuff I like. They'll, it seems like every other movie of theirs I, I enjoy. Um, but Wes Anderson, if you, I think the, the first few films he did, he worked with Owen Wilson. Right. He's with Owen Wilson is credited, I think, as a screenwriter on those. Okay. Films. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but now he doesn't work with Owen Wilson. I don't know the story behind that. And I've noticed that his movies they they do not have that humor that the that Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums have. It's just missing. Right. It's just been sucked right out of them. They look like the same movie. They do without without any of that humor that yeah. made those those earlier films fun. Yeah. He, he's definitely found his own arc. And again, you know, it just seems that way. It, I, it pretentious is the only word I can think of when I think of Wes Anderson and his movies now. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, it's. I thought that of the last Coen Brother movie, Hail Caesar, did you watch that? No. That was the most, like, well, I watched it. I have a buddy who hates the Coens and hates everything they do. He, he thinks that it's just them trying to make a good movie and tell you that they made a good movie. And now I, think that, the, I think the Coens just make movies that they themselves enjoy, and if you like it or not, they could care less. Right, that's what I think, too. Hail Caesar was the one movie where I watched the Coens go, this is us being the Coens. Here's our movie for you. We're going to jam everything that makes us the Coens into one movie, and you're going to like it or not. And the, the whole time I watched it, I was like, yucky. This makes you make... And I, I felt that way with some Wes Anderson stuff, but not this one. All right, number eight. Well, now you had... Now, now that... <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Now that you uh, you caught me on... Uh, I, Tanya? I, Tanya. Are you having I, to look it up now? I had to look up, and this one was a 2017. That's all right. We'll allow it. That's I fine. had Molly's Game on the list. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was another really late 2017. Yeah. Um, I thought it was this year. I, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was, it was was from Aaron Sorkin. Um, he, he's written a lot of really popular things. Um, he did the West Wing TV series. He did... Um, the social network. Um, he so he wrote this movie Molly's Game. It's based on a true story about this woman who was she was a professional skier and she was like competing in the Olympics or something and um, she got injured and was no longer able to ski. So she started running high stakes poker games. <clears throat> that's that's the movie. Yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but it, it's it's good. It's entertaining. Um, some of the some of the characters they introduce. One of the characters they call him Player X. He's just this really obnoxious character. There's some rumors floating around about who he's actually based on because it is a true story, right? Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, it's just a really cool movie about if you're into like, I mean, it, the the games she's running are not exactly legal. I mean, at one point she ends up. Working for the, uh, working with the, uh, I don't know, the FBI or something. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, she kind of turns, you know. Well, she has to, isn't it? Like they they she, try yeah. and find out what she's doing. And they they kind of bust her and, yeah. And then they're like, well, if, if, you know, we'd rather get, it's like that thing where they find the, the third in charge and, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, we'll get you off if you can help us get the, the mm-hmm. head the head people. Exactly, yeah. So she kind of works with them and yeah. takes people down and. Um, yeah, it's just a fun movie. Um, 
you know, uh, I play poker. I just enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I see. I, I play poker too. I didn't think the poker in it was that great. Yeah. It was pretty generic. It was just in the background. Yeah. yeah. That was what I was excited for. I was like, ooh, I love games. I love movies about poker. And then it was like, ah, that wasn't really a part of the movie. But I get over it. I enjoyed seeing her as, you know, kind of entering that world of like, high stakes, it's always kind of fun when it's like high stakes stuff and millions of dollars are going around and, you know, you know, she starts, she starts to kind of dress the part and try to appeal to these men so right. they'll come to her game and stuff like that. Of course. I mean, it's, there's, there's some enjoyable. Yeah. Visuals. And I like Jessica Chastain. Yeah. I like her a lot. So yeah, good that movie. was good. Good fun movie. It was. Well, we'll wait on my number eight cause it's probably high on yours, but my number eight is Avengers Infinity Wars. So which I'm sure it's higher in yours, so we can yep. wait. we'll wait to talk about it until we get there. So what is your seven? Uh, I had Black Panther. Okay. Yeah. Black Panther was my number 11. So I'll yeah. just say my number 11 while we're at it. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good movie. Um, you know, again, I mentioned that only, like, probably my top four are really the ones that I'm really excited to basically talk about because the rest of these are movies that I thought were enjoyable. But movies are supposed to be enjoyable. Right. I think Black Panther is that. It's enjoyable. Yeah. I thought it was good. It's supposed to be good. Yeah. It was good. It's got action. It's got a, a decent story. Good actors. Yeah. I like the ladies in it. I thought they were BA, all of them. Uh, yep. What's the name of the the, the like, head of the army? The bald one? Do you remember off the top of your head? Uh, they call him the uh, Dora. Okay. Me. Something okay, <laughs> close enough. That's the. I think she's that's awesome. Their, that's their their, their crew. crew. Yeah, the crew. I think she is awesome. I was like, ooh, I like you on screen because you were BA. Dora Mirage. Sure, like that. sure. I'm saying it wrong. That's okay. Um, no, I agree with all of those statements. Nice visuals, nice setting, just a good movie. You know, I liked it. You know. Yeah, I like Wakanda, and I like Killmonger. I like yeah, Black yeah. Panther. Killmonger's a great villain. I like the story of why Killmonger is where he is and why he's coming back to, I like his, I like his motive, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good thing about Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War. Good motives by the, by the villains. Yeah. You a know? villain, a villain Instead should, just, a villain, uh, they should be somebody that believes in, in what they're doing. They, they think that what they are doing is right. Right. So you can understand what their, what their motivation is, even if it's, even if some you disagree with, as long as you can understand their motivation, I think it makes them a good villain. Yep. I agree. And I think they took good motivations. Mm -hmm. uh, my number seven is uh, the movie that I did make uh, John watch, but it is Roma. Because I watched it the other night. I, I just got a, a new 65-inch Ultra 4K TV. Mm -hmm. And this uh, uh, this movie was shot in that. And the whole reason why this movie is supposed to be good is because it looks really good. That was what I was told. And uh, boy, does it ever. So when I watched it, I was in no way bored throughout the whole thing, even though the narrative is extremely minimal, and pretty much you're just watching this one woman who is a, a pretty much a maid in this rich people's houses, who it, it's not a movie where the maid's like the the best friend, but she's there in their day, daily lives, so the kids connect with her, the mom connects with her in certain ways, but they still treat her like the, the you know, she's still the help, and the reason why the movie is good is it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who makes pretty movies um he did the revenant and uh which the only reason why i like the revenant is because how it looked and did you see the revenant i watched a little bit of it it's boring yeah god it looks good though i saw it in the theater i was like gosh it looks great 
you know how to shoot trees in, in the snow, man. It's beautiful. It's boring. Uh, but uh, but Roman, just the way the 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 way every shot is like, there's a reason. Like Karan does not shoot a scene just to shoot it. I mean, every scene is very pretty, and there's always stuff going on. Like if she's walking down the street. There's always people in the street, people getting out of their cars, people walking, people... Like, you've seen it, but it just feels like this is really how it is if you're living in a city, that this is what's going on. And so, really, she gets pregnant, and it's kind of her... It just randomly shows up at different months in her life of her pregnancy. And she's a very, like, quiet, stoic person. She doesn't really have that many emotions. So you do get that emotional impact at the end of the movie when it finally happens, that she shows a little emotion. and But every scene is beautiful. So I suggest if you watch it, uh, put it on Netflix, turn your TVs off and your phones off, and just watch. the. And it's black and white, and it looks still gorgeous. So, I mean, there's always one movie a year I always put on my list, and I think it's only because of how good it looks. But there's other stuff I like about this, but the movie looks spectacular. So it's my number, it's my number seven. Yeah, it didn't sound like something that would appeal to me. It's all right. It looks good, though. Um, so, number six, I got Searching, which oh, we yeah. talked about on a previous episode. I thought it was really solid. Um, you know, it's about a guy trying to find his his daughter who's gone missing. It's basically digging through her social media and everything, trying to look for clues as to what might have happened to her. Um, the whole film plays out on a computer screen basically we're, we're, we're watching it basically on a computer screen um, but we see the, the actors faces sometimes during <coughs> they'll do a Skype chat or whatever things like that but um, pretty good story pretty good twists and turns and pretty enjoyable for yeah, yeah I, that was my number 15 in my top 20 and again we have an episode on that so please go back and uh, check that out uh, my number 6 which John's going to hate and I was afraid to come in here that's because it is Annihilation that you hated. That you didn't finish. Oh my god. I love it. I rewatched <laughs> it the other day and I was like, I gotta I gotta This is one of the first movies that John and I had a full conversation about when we first like kinda got talking about movies, about our differences in movies sometimes. And I was like, Oh, I have to come in with, I have to come in a little prepared. Annihilation is a great movie if you like watching bad movies. No, it's great. No, it's off. No, uh, it's not. It's it's very easy. You didn't watch the whole thing either. No. Uh, so there you go. Um, the first probably uh, hour, nothing happens. It's all just very vague. Yeah. Which I think was an attempt to create intrigue. Yeah. Which I was not <laughs> intrigued. But nobody really knew. That was the whole point. You don't have to know. Nobody it's, else in the movie really knew what was going on. It's it's science fiction nonsense. It's a little nonsensical. It's a, it's a science fiction nonsense movie <laughs> where the first hour, they don't even tell you what the science fiction nonsense is going to be. Well, because not everybody knows. Even then, they still don't know. Right. It's a whole lot of, we don't know. It's you, They don't know. I don't know. What's going on? I don't know. We don't know. What's happening? Where have you been? I don't know. I don't remember. Okay, you want to tell me if the shimmer actually became a thing that everybody would know what was going on? The, the audience watching the movie is supposed to know what's going on. No. Why? If the people in the movie don't know what's going on. Movies are supposed to have what's called a hook. It gets you That's in. That's the hook. The hook is that, that you, don't you, know, know. you know nothing. Yeah. 
Hey, Dustin, I got a great movie for you. You, <laughs> you want to know what it's about? You know the general gist of what's going on, you but you don't know the final thing. I got a movie recommendation for you. Yeah. You want to know what it is? No. Can't tell you. <laughs> no, there, you it's there. About? It's I'm not like you tell. don't know anything that's going on. You basically, they spend the whole movie, like, so the opening part of the movie, this guy, he returns from, we don't know where. Right. And she asks him, where have you been? And he doesn't remember. Because of where he was. Sure. Yeah. And uh, basically, they um, there's a whole lot of that. There's a whole lot of, we don't know. I don't know. I and it's not that. an hour. It does not take an hour to get to the show. <laughs> You're also over exaggerating. It takes like 25 minutes to get to that part. Um, they take, they go to this government facility, and this is my favorite part of the movie because the, the government facility is called, wait for it, Area X. Yeah, I saw that. Because we want to keep it going with the I don't know, can't tell you theme. Right. And they put a title card up on the screen to let you know that this is Area X. Yeah. As if that Helps establishes you. something. <laughs> right. It's oh, I didn't know where we were, but now I know, thanks to that title card, that we're at Area X. X. Which means we still don't know. It's it, it felt like the most generic, cheesy science fiction movie See, and I thought ever that seen. they could have been cheesy. I didn't think it was cheesy. It, it, if if a little kid But you didn't get the pay, a, you didn't get any of the payoffs. Movie, you didn't get any of the payoffs either. If a little kid wrote a science fiction movie and you, said, Daddy, look at what I wrote. You didn't get the they payoffs. Go, oh, Again, I, I firmly I, X, I love it. I'm firmly not gonna fully me. believe everything you say because you watch the whole thing. So you have no idea the the payoffs of all the stuff that you don't know. Um I I did actually read on Wikipedia. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Science, you so that I would know what the payoffs were. Did not watch it. Um, it's it's a science fiction nonsense movie. So it's about whatever it's about whatever the the writer came up with, whatever he wanted it to be about. Yeah, it's the same people that did Ex Machina. Okay, I liked Ex Machina yeah. better. Oh, way, of way course. Better. I mean, Ex Machina is one of my favorite movies ever. But um, no, there's a lot more to it than than what you're saying. Yeah, you don't know, but that's the point. You go into Nobody can go into the Shimmer and come out and tell you what's going on. That is 100% the point of the movie. And that's the reason why when they go in... Did you get that far? Where they actually go into yeah, it? Yeah, and they go in, and so so they, everyone that's gone in before them has, has died, except for the one guy who's yeah, right. who's now dying. Dying, yep. Yeah, so the guy... The guy at the beginning of the Oscar movie. Isaac, the guy, the guy at the beginning of the movie. That's why you like the movie. It's because Oscar Isaac. I love Oscar it. Isaac. He's the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> so he is the best. Oscar Isaac returns from this mysterious place called the Shimmer at the beginning of the movie, and he, he's sick. Everyone that's gone to the Shimmer has died. He's the only <laughs> one that's returned, and he is basically dying. Yeah. And um. And also, nobody can remember anything about the shimmer while right. they're in there. So, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to put together a team of people and then send them in because yeah. everyone else has died. Why not send more people? Well, what else are you supposed to do? Um, well, if you're going to send, uh, how about a robot? How about a freaking? <laughs> how about a video camera? Nobody had a video camera. That is funny. I, I, I did say that when I watched it, I was like, how about we, sending we, in, we really need to put, how about flying I, a drone? In, I actually think, Dustin? no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, the reason why none of that stuff works is because the communication's not there. Electrical doesn't work in it. That's their way around it. That's the reason why nobody has an earpiece or a cam on their body. They do say that. That's the reason why none of that stuff's there. They do They do use recording devices, though, because there is a video. Oh, yeah, there's that video, right. There's a video that's shown where um, 
a snake or something rips out of this man's intestines. Yeah, because that is a part of it. Yeah, that's the but they, that's in the lighthouse, which is the one spot. Again, when you watch the movie, that I think the shimmer doesn't affect. Well, yeah. that and that's where that video camera is. It's not out in the shimmer where the lighthouse is the nucleus of the shimmer, and that's where the ladies are going to go get it. So that's the one. So I think that might be the one caveat out. Okay, I got one better for you then. How about sending them with a journal for the right things <laughs> down? But if they die, there would be a journal left yeah, behind. That's true. And then they could have some notes. Nobody took any notes. Nobody recorded anything. They just sent more people into a place where everyone dies. But there, I don't think, you know, another thing is I don't think they've sent a lot of people before them. Like you make it sound like they've sent armies. But they've all like, died. Yeah. How about. It's okay. <laughs> How about coming up with a better plan? Some sort of better plan. But if it's still, like, say it's their third attempt, you still don't really know. What are you going to do? Nuke it? Shoot it with bazookas? I mean, I don't, I, there's no, I don't know what other plan we have here. All right, we got to send on. more people in. we got to move on. We'll force John to watch this later when we do a watch. Horrible movie. We'll force it. All right, your next one. Um, my next one was going to be Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, yep. Very fun movie. Uh, good humor, good action. I love the fight scenes in it. Really impressed with the fight choreography. I think I like the second one better than the first one. And I enjoyed the first one, but um, the fight the fight choreography was really cool in it because you had Ant-Man and Wasp were able to shrink real small and they'd be fighting um, somebody who could phase in and out. And so they'd be, they'd be trying to punch each other and Ant-Man would get real small and then get big again. Yeah, that was clever. Through. I mean, it was really, really well, well done. And so... Um, good humor, and I love how it ended. Um, there's the way it ties in with um, with the rest of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe right at the end. Yep, I agree. So great movie. Yep, and again, uh, spoken about on a previous episode. So go find that if you want a little yep. more detail. Um, so my number five, I know it's a movie you watched was Tully. I didn't watch that. Didn't you? No. Oh, I thought you told me you did. It's good. I mean, it's super simple, which is why I like it. But uh, it's Charlie's Theron who is a mother of two kids. She has a third one. She's exhausted. She's a mom who has a husband who's away at work a lot. So she's at home and she's tired. And her brother, who's pretty rich, hires a night nanny for her. And it's literally how her and her night nanny get along. And uh, her night nanny you know, is young, smart, good looking. Pretty much everything Charlie's there and remembers herself being before she had, you know, three kids. And uh, their chemistry is pretty awesome. And... It, it has a great, great ending uh, that uh, it's not like it's, you know, brand new to, you know, to the movie world, but it's good. Uh, that I don't think a lot of people are expecting, but my wife and I enjoyed it a lot. It's Charlie Theron was really good. And the movie, it's, it's a, I like simple, solid, good stuff. And that was kind of why I just landed. It was a movie that always kind of stuck with me. I'm surprised. But again, like John, he says he has four movies that he'd really find are really good. I think... This year, because it's a weak year in movies, I think my top three are my three that I'd be like, these are the movies that I thoroughly enjoyed. So, but Tully's good. So, all right, all right. So we've made it to my top four. These are these the, are your four. These are the four movies that I honestly and I know one of them on there, which is just gross. Well, That's I think you know at least two of them are on here, but um, the, these are the movies that of the movies I saw this year. These are the these are the four standouts. These are the ones that I would recommend that I thought were exceptional films. Um, number four was a film that, um, I, I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast and we haven't had a chance to until now. 
Um, but it was called A Simple Favor. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a dark comedy, and it was basically about, um, is her name Anna Kendrick? Yep. She, she, um, she has a kid, and she, her friend, she, she has this friend who has a child, and her friend says to her one day, can you, can you pick up my, my, my child from school? And just, can you do me this simple favor? And so she does, and then that woman that asked her the favor goes missing. Yeah, Blake Lively. Blake Lively. She goes missing, and Anna Kendrick kind of starts to dive into what, what happened. Where did she go? Um, it's got a lot of great twists and turns. A lot of great humor. I really liked it. A good, dark comedy. Kind of offbeat. And... Um, just really an original. Was it based on anything? A book or something? Uh, I don't know. There might have been a it book. It seems like it. Yeah, it may be. I may be based on a book. I'm not 100 percent positive, but for for me, it felt very fresh. You know, and I always appreciate that. I was I was like going to a movie and just feeling like it's not something I've seen a hundred times. You know, so a simple favor was just a really good original, um, quirky dark comedy with great twists and turns. Sure, fun movie. Loved it. I, I know you did. I saw it in the theater as well. Did not love it. I loved the first 45 minutes. And then it, I didn't think the twists and turns were good at all. I uh, liked it. I uh, liked that, that was completely what got me off. I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm like, the, these, the twists and turns are, A, you can kind of tell that they're all going to happen. And it was Gone Girl light. And that's it was like, it was, it, Gone Girl is probably a good comparison. But where Gone Girl is more of a uh, very dark. Very dark. In, in tone. This one is much more lighthearted. It's kind not, of. Blake Lively's character is a dark character in a lighthearted movie. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of good lighthearted humor in this movie. In the first half. I think it disappears. And then, oh, no. And then I not have troubles me. believing Anna Kendrick because she's such this bubbly actress who is bubbly in the first half. And she kind of becomes, you know, a little less. It's still hard to take Well, her. she's researching a disappearance. Uh, it's it's and you know and again you know this is a movie I always like to use my wife in a lot of things. She saw this in the theater with me and uh, we both actually had the same experience. I was surprised. It was like as the movie was going on and I was falling out of it. I was like, this is totally up my wife's alley. Like this is a movie she's because she loved Gone Girl. So did I, but she loved Gone Girl. And I was like, because it's such an easy comparison. That's always my comparing. Um, and she even came out. She was she was. I kind of knew it was going to happen the whole time. Like ah, so did I. That's why I didn't think the twists and turns were that good. I didn't think they were that out of left field. But uh, for me, it works. Yeah, it works. I I, you it. Know, there's a lot of people I know that liked it, so it's good. I, I it could be worse. Uh, my number four, I'm not going to talk about much because it's it's the movie you're going to hear about if you follow movies. That's probably going to win best at picture at the Academy Awards. It is Green Book with uh, Viggo Mortensen and Marshall Ali. Uh, Viggo Mortensen transforms himself into an overweight New Yorker and actually pulls it off with a. New York accident that actually sounds real, which I didn't think wasn't going to happen. This is the movie that I went and saw on Christmas Day. I had nothing else to watch, and I was like, I thought I thought the trailer looked pretty bad, and I was like, but there's nothing else, and I want to see something. But it's it's your typical story that could be bad in every single way that isn't. White man who's a little racist has to sit in a car with a black guy who's you know super uptight, and he's a famous musician, and now he has to travel down south with him and. The reason why he gets hired is because uh, he needs to have some backup because they're going south and we all know what happens there. 
all the scenes of the car, there's a lot of scenes of them in the car of talking back and forth and understanding who each other are. Those could have all been bad. I've seen plenty of movies where it's just not funny. That's another thing about Green Book. Pretty funny. Viggo Mortensen, very funny in it. And, uh, you know, it kind of has your atypical ending like that all these movies do where, you know, they each learn from each other and they understand who each other are. And even though they're different, they're maybe not that different. You've seen it all before. Nothing's new here. But it was just done well enough that I was interested. And it was funny. That was the sad part. I laughed probably more than any other movie this year in that. So. But it's pretty win like I think it's going to win Best Picture this year from what I know. Not saying that there's not better out there. There's still movies I haven't seen too, but yeah, it's good. Uh, well, speaking of laughing a lot, my number three is the funniest movie I saw <laughs> all year. Deadpool 2. Uh, how dare you this is your one how like you can you. say that about Denihilation Deadpool is how dare you so far beyond Deadpool so far beyond everybody loves Deadpool not Deadpool 2 Deadpool 2 was great that's fine it was at least as good as the first one no I love the new characters they introduced the humor was very very funny um I I didn't think it would live up to my expectations because the first one was so good I love the second one so fun laughed so hard through the whole movie. Loved it. Great movie. Sure. Dustin's over here. Just a, It's just not that. It's funny, post. but it's it's just the same thing over and over again. That's all I saw. I'm sorry it wasn't depressing enough for you. But jokes and, oh, gosh. And then, yeah. uh, it was fun. I didn't need the same movie again. That's why I'm hoping the third one's something different. You told me you didn't like the first one. No, I liked the first one. I never said that. No, I liked, no, no. How I've always explained is I like, no, I liked the first one a lot. I thought it was funny. I just didn't think the second one was that great because it was literally the same movie with more characters. Yeah, they introduced new characters, great new characters. Um, I thought Cable was a great compliment to Deadpool because Cable was kind of the straight man. Yeah. Where Deadpool was cracking wise all the time. Yeah. Um, Domino was a was a great character. I mean, like, I thought that middle, I, I mean, I not everything landed with me. Like, I mean, the part where he puts together the big band of misfits. Oh, that was wonderful. Wasn't, I saw that coming. Right when he started putting together, I'm like, bet you every one of these guys kicks the bucket right away. And then they did. I'm like, funny. And it wasn't funny. I'm like, oh, it was funny. Ah, when that didn't get it. After the first couple die and the third one's parachuting in. Ah. And he's heading right towards that helicopter and you know it's coming. Yeah. See? I loved it. Yeah. So, fine. Great. Great stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, I was just like, oh, I've seen this movie already. I, I don't need it again. So hopefully the next one. But I get it. I understand why people find it funny. Love Speaking it. of absolute hilarity, my third one of pure depression, which is well, the movie that... Yeah, you like that stuff. I do. I like dramas I, and stuff. I like different. to go to movies to be entertained, not to be made sad. So that's not entertaining because it's something different? I don't... I, and that's the thing. That's why we are different. I don't need Deadpool. I don't think that that's fully entertaining all the time. For me, I love Deadpool. My God, in the final fight scene, he pulls that one guy's pants down. They show his butt. Uh, what's the big the big guy? Juggernaut. Juggernaut. That's the most uninteresting character ever. He pulls his pants down. I'm like, oh, funny. Final fight scene, and we're still doing butt jokes on Juggernaut. Don't oh. you just love Dustin? Drag him to the... <laughs> drag him hey. to get a Deadpool, and he's just sitting there the whole time going, oh, No, I didn't Deadpool. say I didn't laugh. I, I mean, I laughed at it. There was, I mean, if you're going to give me a constant joke for two hours, I'm going to laugh at it. I mean, at some point, I'm the part with his legs. That's funny. Yeah. That was a funny scene. I laughed at that. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is so ridiculous. I can't not laugh at this. It's the same with Guardians 2. I mean, I, I had a lot of problems with Guardians 2 because I liked the first one so much. It wasn't as funny, but I still I still laughed at it. 
I mean, again, you're going to give me jokes for two hours. It could be worse. I, For me, it's hard to find a movie that makes me laugh as hard as Deadpool does. Yeah. The first one. Either of them. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you think about comedies that come out nowadays, and I mean, like, I, most of them are, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I will admit, if you're putting it in the range of comedies, I mean, even Deadpool 2 is better than... All the other comedies that came out this year. Name a funnier movie than Deadpool 2. That, that <laughs> um, I watched, did you watch Game Night? Yeah. I, I, I thought Game Night was quite funny. Game Night was very funny. I, was, I don't think I would watch it twice. I wouldn't watch Deadpool 2 twice either. Well, I like Deadpool 2 better than Game Night. I, I, like, I liked Game Night. I enjoyed it. I liked Game Night. I wouldn't put it on top 10. I, I thought Game Night was, oh, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put either in my top 10. I, would, I thought Game Night was perfectly enjoyable to see once. Yeah. And never again. Sure. Yeah. Let's just... Majority of comedies when you already know. Game Night wasn't even the best comedy that Jason Bateman's done. He's made better films. Oh, I'm not saying how I was just talking about this year. Yeah, a lot of people would say it's a perfectly okay. A lot of people would say Blockers too, but I didn't think it was that. I didn't see that. It was okay. It it had moments. Again, you know, if you're gonna give me a comedy for two and a half for two hours, there's bound that I'm gonna laugh at a part or two. But it wasn't. It wasn't great. I thought Game Night was better. Um, but yeah, my number three is is a, is definitely my number one. is not depressing though, so I'm gonna I'm gonna not bury the lead. My number one was a fun movie, so you'll like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my number three is First Reformed with Ethan Hawke um, to completely go the opposite of Deadpool. He is uh, it, it, it definitely falls under the probably sad depressing. But uh, now you may feel bad about liking these movies, but that's okay. Um, he's like that, that you Oh, I love it. I love bad. this. And, and I really love this. He's an alcoholic pastor. That's a start of comedy right there. Uh-huh. Um, and he's going through this, you know, spiritual and psychological crisis. He, he, he works at this first, first reformed church that's celebrating its 250th anniversary. Um, it's a really small, like little historical church and uh, nobody goes to it because the big monstrous church that's right down the road by Cedric the Entertainer. It's the more fun church to go to. Why wouldn't you go there instead? And uh, he ends up having to uh, counsel Amanda Seyfried and her husband. Um, her husband's a really big uh, Earth advocate of saving the planet. They had this really good exchange where they're like, you think he's supposed to counsel counsel him, but turns out that I think he's learning a lot based off his life now. Um, but he ends up learning that the husband has a suicide vest, and her, you know, the Amanda Seyfried doesn't know why. So he takes a suicide vest and keeps it for himself. What's a suicide vest? A vest with all the bombs on it. Okay. That's what I figured. Yeah. I figured just for Yeah, just for that. Clarification. And uh, so he takes the vest and he kind of, uh, you know, it kind of makes him reimagine what's going on in his life right now. And he uses, you know, him being a pastor and stuff. It ends very esoterically in a really odd ending. There's a lot going on here in a small movie, but uh, it's good. It's A24. You can find it on Canopy. I love it. That's one of my top three that I would for sure say for more people to see. Number two. Um, my number two is Avengers Infinity War. Oh, it's not your number one. No. You've, it's a very good movie. Yeah, Excellent is. movie. Yeah, it was my number eight. Like I said, I, I took Black Panther out to put Avengers Infinity War in because I think the standing power is there. Yeah, I like I, I liked Avengers better than Black Panther. Um, I thought I thought Black Panther was pretty solid, but for me, Infinity War was honestly probably well. I think it was probably the best superhero movie I think I've ever seen. It's better Dark Knight. Well, all right, now you're making me second guess myself. No, probably not. Okay, the Batman, the, 
that trilogy as a whole um, was amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you, I wouldn't want to pick it apart and just have to rate one movie, but to me, the trilogy sure. was really, really amazing. Um, and event, I would put Affinity War as the best uh, Marvel movie ever made for sure. Yeah. I would say it's up there. Mm -hmm. Great story, great characters, very impactful. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. And the whole, the whole reason why I put it, I switched Black Panther in it out is because for a movie that you know is the first half of a final movie, right? Like we, we knew that going in. It kind of plays like a uh, standalone though. That's why. Yeah. There's your, there's your, the seller. The fact that you went into it and you do, this is first half. Mm-hmm. So you know there's more, but yet at the end you still went, wow, it's happening. And even beyond the, you know the finger snap, I thought the biggest point for me beyond the fingers is just watching Thanos destroy Captain America. Like that was a great scene. I'm like I, I you know, again me not being a huge superhero guy, even I went, they got me. I felt that. I felt like I'm like, but this is Captain. He stops everyone. And he just got beat down, and I was like, that's. That's where I knew it got me a little bit. I'm like, ah, oh, they have me. They have me wrapped around their finger. Yeah. So, no, I agree. And we talked about it enough here. Everybody knows what Infinity War is. I mean, a bajillion dollars. Um, my number two we've talked about on here was Shirkers, the documentary. I loved it. I, I, I've i rethought about it a lot. And when I re-looked at documentaries and stuff, I want to re-watch it. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I've watched a few docs since that I've enjoyed, like Mind the Gap and Three Identical Strangers and free solo and some other ones. And I'm like, ah, none of them. I don't know. I was just so interested in the story. And again, we've talked about it on here. So find another episode, but it's a Indonesian film that was made in the what seventies that got lost because of the young teens that produced it. And, uh, they kind of had a mentor, a white mentor from America who said he was a Hollywood person. He wasn't. And then it's kind of the story of them looking back and seeing, you know, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good, but it didn't quite, um, it didn't quite build like I wanted it to. I was waiting the whole time for them to track the guy down and, and corner him. It's a real and story, yeah. though. You can't... That's fine. Okay. It is what it is. I'm not... I mean, obviously, they, the man in question passed away at some point, and they were not able to get him. But for me, it would have been a, a better documentary if they had cornered him and we got to hear his side at some point. Sure. I mean, I understand that they couldn't do that, but that means for me, it's not as good of a film as I would have liked it to have been. Okay. It didn't, it just, for me, it didn't quite build. I was waiting for that big, that big moment. And it just kind of, all of a sudden I realized it was going to be over now. And that was the movie. And I kind of went, oh, it was good. Yeah. But I, it, for me, it didn't quite get there where I wanted Sure. It yeah. And I, I like, but you, but you liked me. I loved it. I thought it was just, I just thought the story of all the docs, I went through all the documentaries. So I usually have one documentary on my list. And, uh, I was just like, ah, oh, this is just the one that was the most interesting to me. But all right, you're number you, one. You like that one better than uh, the Mister Rogers one, yeah? Just because it was different, Mister. Like, like I said, Mister Rogers is very straightforward, and Shirkers is a little less, yeah. a little different. And again, it's I like docs that sometimes tell me something new. Mister Rogers didn't tell me a whole bunch new. To me, it, it told me a bunch new. I didn't know a lot about you know the man or his life or sure. all that stuff. I right. just didn't see the show. And it had been a while since I'd seen the show, right. so I didn't remember a lot of that either. But no, Boy Baby was still really good, though. Yeah. But what's your number one? My number one movie this year is a movie I'm very excited about. It's not only the number one movie of this year. I think it's probably one of the best movies I've seen in 
a number of years. Ooh. And we talked about it on the show. Did we? And it was Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, man. Really? I, I, the, I had to watch that movie twice back to back because okay. I was so blown away by it. The, the action in that movie, the fact that they actually did all that stuff for real. I, 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 you know, you, you just, I, I just am amazed by it. I'm amazed <laughs> by that movie. Sure. The action, when I watch them, no, normally a movie like that would be made with a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of blue screen, a lot of studio work and just make it look like they're doing these things for, for pretend. But the fact that they actually went and did all that action, I am so impressed by that. That to me is a, that is a movie. That is a real movie and if you're paying money to see something this is the kind of thing you deserve in return i was blown away sure very impressed yeah love that movie hope they make more like that well i mean the yeah the last what two what was the one before it was uh rogue nation was that the one yeah that's yeah both of them we talked about that sequence where you had to jump out of the plane he did it like a hundred times yep um in order to get all the shots that they needed who does that right they, you know how much money they would have spent just on that one sequence <laughs> right. where they could have saved so money. Much money. They could have saved a ton of money and did it in a studio with a blue screen. But they didn't want to save money. They wanted to give you the best movie they could give you. Yeah. And I love that. Thank you for making that movie. Sure. I love that movie. Yeah, and you're not alone. I, I know a lot of people that that I've seen Mission Fallout uh, on their like, end of the year list and stuff. I love it. Um, my number one that I promised was an uplifting movie. And you've heard me say it. It's Paddington 2. You have to see it. I, Did you see the first one at all? I've heard a lot of people say this This is a really good movie. You know? It is great. You're making me curious now just to see it. You should. I don't know what it is, but, I mean, it, it's just... It's a kid's movie about a bear or something. Oh, but it's but. so lovable and adorable. Okay. You know, I, and again, you know, I understand that usually I'm not, You know, I watched the first Paddington, and I thought, um, I thought it was good, um... Cute story, and the bear looked awesome. That was what I couldn't get over. Is you want to talk about like good CGI done right? Is the bear? I mean, the fact that I mean, if that's your central character in a world that's not CGI, it has to fit, or else it's going to look weird. And the fact that it's a bear, let's throw it out there that talks. Um, they have now completely after the first one, and you don't really need to see the first one. It's a kids' movie. You get it. Um, it's in London, and he's now ingratiated into the London, the city. So, like, everybody knows who he is, and he's just a member of their society. And the bear is adorable, because all his whole point, you know, the point of the movie is be kind, no matter what's going on. It's a kid's movie, so there has to be the... And uh, so what it is, is his, his uh, mother or grandmother, or whatever, that's out in the woods, is turning 100. He wants to get her a gift. And he gets her this picture book. It sets up, and when he first looks at the picture book, they go into the picture book with him. It's gorgeous. The scenes that they set up that look like a picture book, super cool. Um, and then uh, Hugh Grant comes in, and uh, yeah, and uh, is uh, the bad guy steals the picture book, blames it on Paddington. Paddington goes to jail, which sounds very dark for a kids movie. Mm-hmm. And within seconds at the jail, he you know he gets put on laundry duty, and he uh, dyes all the you know the black and white clothes pink, so they're all in pink. Brandon Gleason plays Knuckles, the bad guy, the bad inmate. He's the chef, and their food's really bad. And the thing about Paddington is he loves marmalade. And that's his thing. He eats it all the time. Mm-hmm. So he teaches them, like, give me marmalade, and I'll make you good food. And, you know, of course, him and Knuckles become buddies after this. And it's adorable the whole time. And that's just the, it's just, 
I know I like depressing. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe I was like, oh, this is so cute and lovable. And I, Hugh Grant is completely hamming it up here as the bad guy, too. And he's fun. And uh, he's like this actor like that just over, he's so over the top that in a normal movie it physically would not work. But it's a kid's movie, so it's cute. Um, and then at the end, they give me the emotional punch that the movie provides at the end. Got me. And I was like, there's the one movie that my eyes teared up. And I'm like, don't, don't do it. And it's a kid's movie. I even fell for it. I'm like, they don't do that in kid's movies. This isn't Bambi. I'm like, you know, I was like, don't, please don't, don't do it to Paddington. And then it, it all turns out well. I'm like, how did they get me? I'm like, they should have got me. It's a kid's movie. It's not going to end this way. But uh, it's adorable. And if you have a family, even if you don't have a family, if you're just a cute kid's movie, that A, looks amazing. Because again, the bear couldn't look better. Um, but it's cute, fun, and I love it. Who would have thought? Do you have to see the first one? To- no, you get it. The first one's about him getting to London. Like, that's the thing. Um, and uh, that's kind of the plan. He's now there. Um, the first one is a lot. That's why I didn't probably maybe like the first one as much. Um, I did like the first one. I, I remember enjoying it. I think it was in my top 20 that year. Um, and maybe by the end, I didn't realize how much I actually liked the character. The first one also seemed more kiddish. Like, very kid or friendly where this one's, you know, some, you know, that's what Pixar's done well in is giving you kid movies that gear towards adults as well. Yeah. I think the first one was heavy on the kids where this one, I think has definitely hit that line, you know, of get some adults to obviously me I'm a 30 year old dude. And I uh, loved it. And that was my, that was my favorite movie of the year. And I didn't stop. I watched it in January. I think it was like one of the first movies I watched. And I was like, a high bar. I don't know if anything's going to pass it. It didn't. So, but that's it. Those are the movies that we feel that if you watch them, you'll at least somewhat enjoy most of them. And our lists were pretty different. Pretty different. But you know, we agreed on Infinity War and um, some other ones. And you know, there's other ones we talked about that liked it, and there's a few we haven't seen. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's good. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with some other fun. Fun stuff. I think we'll be talking about Glass and some Midnight Shyamalan stuff. Yep. And uh, the new Fire Festival documentaries on Netflix, I think we'll talk about too. Uh, Netflix and Hulu. Yep. And then whatever else fun that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Listen to me, honey, dear. Something's wrong with you, I fear. It's getting harder to flee.